Today is the Feast of Pentecost, and the Gospel reading appointed for this feast day is taken from the 14th chapter of St. John's Gospel, beginning with the 23rd verse. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. That the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. The church hears the word and keeps it, and she is at peace with God. The world will not hear the word, let alone keep it, and so it is at enmity with God and his church. The world talks a lot about peace. We heard it again this past week, when a great many voices began to demand that the Israelis make peace with Hamas terrorists. The world cares a great deal about the cessation of violence between men, especially when the powerful think that the wrong side is winning. But the world does not give the slightest consideration to the peace which matters, the peace which endures. For that is the peace which is known only within the church, when sinners know themselves to be at peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Lord declared to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. The peace of the world is fleeting and incomplete. The peace which the Lord gives to his church is peace with him. Sinful men are not at peace with each other, except insofar as particular men are not in conflict with each other at all times. But the world is filled with wars and rumors of wars, corporate intrigue, racial disturbances, terrorism, greed, envy, spite, and heresy. The world does not possess, nor can it even understand, true peace. With the ascension of our Lord to the right hand of the Father, the hearts and minds of the apostles were readied for that which was to come. All was set in order, in that Matthias was numbered with the eleven as an apostle, taking that place which was vacated by Judas. And then on the fiftieth day of the resurrection, as scripture records, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Lord had already established peace within his church, for the saints were all with one accord in one place. That which was proclaimed that day was according to the work of the Holy Spirit, 
within the United Apostolic Church. Far from the confusion which some imagine these tongues to involve, what the apostles spoke was understood by all who heard them. For they went forth from the assembly of the saints into the midst of Jerusalem and proclaimed the word of the Lord. And in that day the curse of Babel was reversed in the church, and that which was proclaimed by St. Peter and by all was that which the Lord of the church had called them to the apostolate to declare. The Lord thus gave commandment to his apostles in Matthew chapter 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Baptism and teaching are inextricably bound up together. The world, from the Tower of Babel to this day, desires to speak one language for the purposes of greed and power. The speech granted unto the apostles on Pentecost was according to the will of the triune God, as the divine purpose was fulfilled, as the Holy Spirit worked through the word to convict men through the law, and to console them through the gospel, leading them to the waters of holy baptism. From the generation of the apostles, we know that the children of the church have been baptized. When St. Peter's sermon on Pentecost had cut the people to the heart, we read in Acts the second chapter, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. For baptism would be the way of salvation, not only for a few or a single nation, is the way of salvation for all who repent, believe, and are baptized. But in keeping with the word of the Lord, the Holy Sacrament was linked to teaching the faith. As whole households began to be baptized in the generation of the apostles, for thus St. Paul, as an example, baptized the whole household of the Philippian jailer in Acts the 16th chapter, it was necessary for parents to instruct their children in the faith into which they had been baptized. And in a sense, this is quite similar to what happened in the Old Testament church, when all of the male children were circumcised on the eighth day, and both girls and boys were taught the faith by their parents. The New Testament sacrament is for boys and girls alike, as well as adult converts to the faith, so that all who believe and are baptized shall be saved. It is thus that the young are taught the faith into which they have been baptized. The life of the Christian is a walk in repentance before the Lord, and is one in which the consolation of holy baptism fortifies us day by day. Sorrow over sin and consolation through the gospel attend us on the way. Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your, hearts be, your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I, 
And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. We see the strife and fear which mark the world. Each generation has a measure of fear when it contemplates sending forth the young into the maelstrom of the world. And there is a great danger, for it is easy to be distracted by the things of the world and the idolatries of each age. There has been a confusion of tongues and a multiplicity of idols, for as long as sinful men have sought to carve their names on the world since the days after the flood. Thus we pray, and exhort, and encourage, that those who have been raised in the faith would endure in that faith. The whole church has been called to confess our faith in Christ since the day of Pentecost. For St. Peter, it began with this sermon, preached to a mass of those who had been gathered from all nations, those who looked for a fulfillment of Jesus' words to his apostles, that they were to teach all nations, see that first done on Pentecost for St. Luke records, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. The life of the church is centered in the proclamation of the word of God and the administration of the sacraments. Where the doctrine is corrupted, or where the sacraments are neglected or perverted by false doctrine and wicked practice, the work of the church is undermined or abandoned in a particular place. In the words of the Augsburg Confession, the church is the congregation of saints in which the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments rightly administered. The church continues in this confession of the centrality of the means of grace, for it is a lasting testimony that what the church treasures the world does not have. The world has its programs and clubs and associations and governments. People organize all manner of charities and fraternities for an astonishing array of reasons and causes. The church exists not for worldly ends, but for the work of the Holy Spirit in the midst of a fallen world, so that the saints are gathered, strengthened, consoled, and prepared for their departure from this veil of tears, and for the arrival of the Christ at the end of the age. We are gathered for the word. We are gathered to repent of our sins and to hear again the consolation of the gospel. We are gathered for baptism. We are gathered as church to have our sins absolved. In the church we eat Christ's body and drink his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We are gathered at the church for Christ. For Jesus has called us to be his people. He atoned for our sins as surely as he atoned for those of his church on Pentecost. And the baptism which those three thousand received on Pentecost is the same as the baptism which all of the saints of God have received through water and the word. The world mocks the gospel and the calling of the church because such things are utterly beyond the comprehension of the world. The mockers among the multitude responded to a miracle with the nonsensical slander of declaring they are full of new wine, and they do not lack for like-minded imitators in our own age. The world will defame the church and her teachers and will persecute the saints of the Lord for as long as they have time to do so. The unity of the one true church is not found in numbers or movements or worldly power. The unity of the church is in her confession of the doctrine of Christ Jesus. We thus hear Jesus' words in John the 14th chapter. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, 
and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Men have wanted to make the unity of the church to be found not in keeping the word of Christ, but in the pension plans, cathedrals, and worldly power and influence of the church. The papacy was built on such things, and it seeks after them to this day. And those who spiritually mimic the papacy continue in such things. But all those things are worse than useless, apart from the unity of the faith. When the multitude in Jerusalem heard the words of St. Peter on the day of Pentecost, there were three thousand who were baptized. And St. Luke records in Acts the second chapter, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about three thousand souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. United in the word of the Lord, they were thus united in the fellowship of the apostles' doctrine. Closed communion begins with Acts, the second chapter. For the breaking of bread, the communion, is linked to continuing steadfastly in the doctrine and fellowship of the apostles. We have been baptized into this fellowship, and as in this fellowship of the risen Christ we pray to endure, and be gathered to be with the Lord in the unending joy of the saints, as the one eternally united church beholds the Lord who has delivered us out of death, to live forever with him. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who didst teach the hearts of thy faithful people by sending to them the light of thy Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who with thee and the Holy Ghost liveth and reigneth ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10 a.m. worship service with Bible class following after service. We are currently studying uh, St. Peter's First Epistle. We also have a midweek service on Wednesdays at 11 a.m., and we invite you to join us then as well. Salem is located approximately two miles north of Malone off of FM 308. For more information on Salem Lutheran Church, you can visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.